Hello, this is Jay Lewis, and welcome to the Old Radio Companion. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. It's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. The Life of Riley. Henry! Henry Aldrich! Coming, Mother! Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another show of the Old Radio Companion, and I'm so happy to have all of you here with me today. Um, It's always a pleasure to be with you, and today I'm so excited because this is our first Christmas show of the season, and I'm always excited to do the Christmas shows. Um, They're very special to me, and I hope they're special to you, too, and that it adds to your celebration of this special time of year. And, you know, I know a lot of people out there don't like Christmas or they don't necessarily celebrate Christmas. And maybe some of you, some of the listeners out there, you're those people. Uh, But I hope that maybe uh, listening to the show that will still add to the season for you and maybe give you some enjoyment. And you know what? It's my opinion that it's really not Christmas. Um, It's not Christmas's fault. It's, you know, it's people. I mean, people are not perfect, and when people get their hands on things, you know, sometimes we kind of mess them up. So, and Christmas is really no exception. So, I really hope that you can, you know, however you celebrate it or what you believe, that it will be a special time for you. And I'm really happy that you've chosen to uh, listen in today and enjoy this time of year. And so, that's kind of my hope. Well, you know, on this show, I don't really share a lot of personal stories. I mean, I do once in a while. Um, If you go back, way back in the radio shows, uh, you'll listen, like the first season, um, there were some shows that I had shared some kind of personal funny stories. And I have shared some personal uh, stories from my childhood and my life uh, through the shows. And I really don't do them a lot, but really what I do is um, when I'm planning the show, I plan them way ahead of time. So I think it was like in October, I was already writing and planning. It might have even been earlier than that. Um, I was planning the Christmas shows. So kind of when I'm thinking about the shows and I'm thinking about what I want to share, if anything pops up in my head, I just kind of go, hey, that was really cool. (laughs) I really like that. I'm going to share that with my listeners. And so it's kind of a, you know, kind of an opportunity for me to share a little bit about myself uh, with you too, um, because I kind of want that, that rapport and that relationship with you. But anyway, when I'm planning the shows, you know, things just kind of pop up in my head. Well, anyway, I have shared some stories from the past uh, during Halloween and Christmas and Thanksgiving and things like that. And my whole thing is, if it's funny to me, then I always think, well, you know, you guys will like it too. So <laughs> I share it with you. But today I am going to share you uh, share with you a personal story that happened to me years ago uh, when my two daughters were just little kids. And, you know, it's a memory that stuck in, sticks in my head. And every time Christmas comes around. Um, I always think about it. So I just thought, you know, hey, it's going to be a good time for me to share that with you. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to share that with you. And we have another great Christmas radio show for you today. But before we get started, it's the first of the month. So it's time for... The Old Radio Time Capsule. 
Today on the old radio time capsule, we find the very first Christmas radio broadcast on December 24th, 1906. This is a reproduction of what it would have sounded like. Good evening. This is Professor Reginald A. Fessenden speaking to you from Brant Rock, Massachusetts at the tower of the National Electric Signaling Company. I'm going to play an Edison recording of Handel's Largo. Next, I will play O Holy Night on the violin, followed by a short passage from the Bible. Well, like I said, there was this certain Christmas uh, that sticks out in my mind. And this would have been probably about 10, 11 Christmases ago, maybe 12. It was, it's been a while. Uh, it could have been longer. And at that time, um, you know, I was single, single dad, and it was my, the first weekend in December. And so on certain Christmases, um, you know, we always got our tree like that first weekend um, in December. And so anyway, at certain Christmases, though, my girls and I would go to a tree farm. You know, and here in the Northwest, you know, there's a lot of tree farms. There's tons. And you go and you can cut your tree down. You know, you pick out your tree. You drink some hot chocolate. You know, pet some barn animals. You know, they shake the tree. They bind it up. You know, you pay a fortune. They, you know, they stick it on your car. <laughs> you know, whatever. Other Christmases, we would just go to these tree lots that were close by. And there was this tree uh, tree lot that was really close to where we lived, and it was run by this family, and they got the trees, you know, shipped in from this farm. So they were pretty fresh, and it was great because it was really close by. We could grab the tree, be home in minutes, and be decorating, and, you know, it kind of wasn't an all, all-day all ordeal, you know. Uh, but anyway, on this this specific Christmas, I was thinking, you know, we need to do something different. You know, we always kind of seem to do the same thing all the time, and kind of wanted to do something different. So anyway, I had a friend that was a good friend of the girls and a friend of mine, and she lived pretty close by. And I was talking to her kind of like about what I wanted to do. So she had suggested she had this four-wheel drive SUV. And we just thought, you know, I thought, wow, it'd be really fun to drive up to the mountain, you know, climb up the mountain, you know, make a whole day of it, you know, hike up there, find a tree, you know, tie it on the SUV, you know, a real adventure, you know, go on this great trip, make it kind of an all-day thing. So it sounded great. So I told my girls what we were going to do, and they were so excited. They were like, yeah, you know, everybody's real excited about it. So it was all planned. That coming Saturday, we're going to venture up to the mountain, pack some food, some hot chocolate, you know, get some bungees and rope. And there we were. We were going to go do it. Well, it's definitely one of those things that looks better on paper (laughs) than it is in real life. That morning, um, you know, it was cold, and as we headed up to the mountain, it was snowy, it was blizzardy, I mean, the wind was blowing like crazy, the snow was blowing all over, it was really hard to see, 
And I'm not even sure if we checked the weather. I don't think we did. Um, ambition overrode everything else like reason and logic, you know. So, but it was too late. You know, there we were. We stopped down below. We pulled the SUV in, you know, found a safe place to park. And we were at the bottom of the mountain and we're looking up where we're going to go climb, you know. And there were my girls. They were all bundled up, you know, in all their winter wear, you know, looking like the kid in the Christmas story with, you know, they couldn't put his arms down, you know. <laughs> all wrapped up with all the scarves and the gloves and the whole thing, the jackets. And we were just all bundled up. And there we stood there. And what was so funny is we didn't even start out. You know, we just kind of stood there and looking up the mountain like we were looking up at Mount Doom in Lord of the Rings. You know, the, the doom that was about to happen, you know. So we kind of looked at each other. We took that deep breath and we just kind of started up to hell. Oh, I mean, Christmas fun, Christmas fun. <laughs> Well, one of the things that we didn't think about also was big, great trees. I mean, the higher we were walking up, because all the trees down below were a little smaller, and I had in mind really what I wanted. So as we walked up, you know, we knew that at the very top of the mountain, there were some great trees. So, you know, I have to admit, as we were hiking, we would stop and breathe and rest and we would look at each other and be like, is it really that worth it? Maybe we just got to grab one of these little trees and go. You know, this one doesn't look too bad. Maybe we'll just get this one. But as we hiked, I think we just decided we were going to stick with it. And, uh, you know, we were going to do it. So lots of stopping and hiking. And the higher we got, the more snowy and blizzardy it got. The more harder it was to see. My poor girls were just trudging through the snow. And we're all just hiking up this hill. And, you know, you can feel your body. Your eyes are frozen. Your nose is frozen, you know. Um, and you still can't feel anything, you know, even though you're all bundled up, you know. So we climbed and we climbed and we finally got to the top of this this mountain. And, you know, I would have guessed it would have been like, you know, um, I don't know. It's just like the, my girls are probably like five and seven years old, maybe. And really getting them to hike up that mountain, I mean, that was pretty cool. I mean, they, they really were good troopers and anything. But anyway, we were finally there. It was worth it because we saw all these great trees, these amazing trees. And they seemed so full and tall and perfect. And so anyway, I just thought this is the perfect Christmas tree for our family. And so I saw this perfect tree. And there I'm laying down in 6,000 feet of snow, you know, sawing this tree off the mountain. And so timber, you know, there it goes. And we get it and we turn around to head down the mountain and then it really hits you. You're kind of like, wow, you know, you forget that you have to get down the mountain. Uh, you got up and now you got to get back down. And now you have these two kids. You have a big, giant Christmas tree and you're going to drag this this big, huge tree down the mountain. So... Anyway, we kind of started going down the mountain. And so finally, I just stopped and I looked at my friend and I was like, you know what? There's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a faster way. So we kind of looked at each other and we kind of got this idea. So what we did is we took the girls and we straddled them on the tree like they were riding on some ride at Disneyland. You know, we put them on top of the tree like they're going to ride a horse, you know. And I, we just had them hang on to the branch and trunk. My friend and I got to the trunk part. And we basically just started pulling them down the mountain. We just started kind of almost running down the mountain. And they were loving it. They were screaming and yelling and acting like they, like I said, they were riding some Disneyland ride. And my friend and I couldn't stop. I mean, it was like we wanted to, but we just kept going down. It was like that momentum got going. And we were just like, we're going to die. We're going to die. But we just kept going down the mountain. It got faster and faster. 
Well, anyway, um, we finally saw the car and we knew we were, we were getting close. And we finally got down to the bottom to where the car was. And what was so funny is my girls were like, can we do it again? <laughs> and we were like, are you crazy? That was terrible, you know, because it was still blizzardy and, and bad. Well, anyway, folks, there's this thing called perspective. And not perspective in the way we view life or anything philosophical like that, but more a physical perspective. And the perspective of spatial view and how big things look against a big environment. So when you take a smaller object and put them into a big environment, it doesn't look that big. And actually, we were like, hey, this is a great tree. But we get down the hill and the tree is sitting next to the car and the kids are all standing there and we're looking at each other and we're like, now what? <laughs> what do we do? And I look at my friend and I look at the tree and they look at the car and I look back at her and then I look at the tree and then I look at the car and I'm like, uh... I think we made a big mistake. And she's like, oh, you think so? And then she says, yeah, remember when we were up on top of the mountain and you were going to cut it down? And I said, uh, yeah, I think it's too big. And you said, no, it's perfect. And then you started singing like, oh, Christmas tree. And then in German. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, regardless, yes, the tree was huge, 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 huge. It was tree Kong. So yes, her and I trying to figure out how we were going to get this tree up on the SUV and actually tie it. So we drug it and pulled it and pulled it and finally got to the top and we actually finally got it on top of the, uh, the car. And yes, bungee, 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 bungee. I mean, thank God for bungee cords and rope. So we finally got it on top. We finally secured it. We decided that we were finally in that place. We could probably safely transport this big, huge tree down the mountain and get it home. And we were about probably more than an hour from home, hour and a half maybe. And yes, I know people were laughing at us as we were driving with our uh, giant tree on top of the car. I mean, it was like part of it was hanging over the window and part of it was hanging over the back and it just looked huge. And I even remember as we were driving, I would stick my hand out the window and kind of adjust it, you know, make sure that it wasn't going to go anywhere. Well, you know how big the tree looks sitting on the ground at the bottom of the car? Well, take that same tree and put it in my apartment. Yeah, for the seven or so years I lived there, there was this permanent scrape mark on the ceiling <laughs> from that Christmas tree. And yes, I ended up all night spending trimming and trimming and trimming. And I probably cut off six feet from the bottom just to make it look like a tree so I could get it into the stand and actually stand it up. I remember when I finally got it into the stand, my girls were like, what happened to the tree? <laughs> I just gave them a box of ornaments and I said, let's just get decorating. Okay, let's just forget about the, the whole tree, you know, thing. Well, anyway, I had to go with that tree. I had invested so much into that tree, and I think it was the only one that I probably left up until Valentine's Day. Well, anyway, that was the story of how we got the giant Christmas tree, and now a sponsor from the past. a wonderful Christmas gift for anyone who smokes because it says Merry Christmas and Happy Smoking 200 times. Yes, 10 packs of those better tasting Luckies. 
all done up for Christmas in a beautiful carton created just for Lucky Strike by the famous designer, Mr. Raymond Loy. It'll look so bright and colorful under your Christmas tree, and it's such a welcome gift to anyone who enjoys a good smoke. Because you know, smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. That's why you can't go wrong if you remember your friends with these colorful Christmas cartons of Lucky Strike. Toot, 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 be happy, go lucky for Christmas gifts this year. Today on The Scoop, we feature news reports about Christmas from 1945. Cathay's Magic Carpet whisks us to New York for the mammoth Christmas parade. Colossal rubber balloons and all the tricks of Showland help make the holiday bigger and better than ever. Day and night, it's all the same when you're celebrating. At Hollywood Santa Claus Lane, a lot of old friends join in the fun. Jack Benny and Rochester. And then comes rubber tonsiled Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. The funny men put on a riotous performance. Take off those whiskers, Red, we know you. All over the world, you can't resist Christmas. For British servicemen overseas, toys for the kids at home are priority number one. Treasured presents in many a Christmas stocking came from naffy gift shops. The local kids look on, but the soldier's thoughts are far away by his own fireside and the folk to whom his presents have gone. And now, a last-minute exclusive report from New York on the flow of presents to Britain's toy-starved children. Saying thank you for American gifts is Lady Halifax. On today's show, it's from the George Burns and Gracie Allen radio show. It's titled, Last-Minute Christmas Shopping. It originally aired December 18, 1947. So it's Christmas time and George is having troubles, you know, finding out what he's going to get Gracie for Christmas. And he doesn't really know what she wants and he doesn't know what to do. And well, well, it's going to get interesting at the least. So we're going to have some laughs. Let's listen in and find out what happens. Enjoy the show. Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George. Sure, pour me a cup, Gracie. You know, Maxwell House is always good to the last drop. And that drop's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With yours truly, Toby Reed, Hans Conried, Gail Gordon, Meredith Wilson of the Maxwell House Orchestra, and Bill Goodwin. For America's Thursday night comedy enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for America's everyday coffee drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. Always good to the last drop. Well, George put off his Christmas shopping until this week, and then he was caught in that final frantic stampede of women shoppers and almost trampled to death. We find him now seeking refuge in the corner cigar store where he meets Bill Goodwin. Hi, George. Oh, hello, Bill. Hey, you look kind of rumpled. I am, Bill. Bunch of women shoppers knocked me down and walked on me. Holy smoke, I'll say they did. Well, look at your poor face where they stepped on it. It's all battered and beaten. What a horrible mess. 
I didn't touch my face. <laughs> oh, yeah. I dread going back to that store, but I got to get Gracie's Christmas present. I'm, al- I'm already in the, in the doghouse with her. How come? Oh, a little slip of the tongue, Bill. This morning, Gracie said, I'd like to have Mother here for Christmas. Can she fly down? And I said, why not? I never saw an old crow that couldn't. <laughs> George, I'm surprised you don't get along with Gracie's mother. You're the same type, the same temperament, same age. <laughs> Very comical tonight, Willie. Well, anyway, I, um, I wouldn't send her a plane fare. Well, how does Gracie's mother feel about you? She despises me. Are you sure? Oh, yes. She's never come right out and said so. It's just the little thing she's done. Mm-hmm. A little poison in my soup. <laughs> a little dynamite under the bed. Just the little thing. Little thing. Yes. But when you put them together, they spell drop dead. <laughs> I see. So that's why I'm knocking myself out to get this Christmas present for Gracie. But after I fight my way to the counter, the girl ignores me. Oh, well, I can get that girl to wait on you, George. I've dated her. You don't even know what store I was in. Makes no difference. If she's a girl, I've dated her. (laughs) Well, thanks, Romeo, but I'll handle it myself. This time, I'm going to assert myself. I'll knock those women right and left. I'll fight my way to the counter, grab the click by the neck, and say, now, see here. I want a Christmas present for my wife. So get busy and sell me a... Um... What's the matter? Uh... I forgot to find out what Gracie wanted. Gracie. Yes, dear? Uh, What would you like for Christmas this year? Well, George, I don't want to just come right out and tell you. That would take all the fun out of it. Well, how else can I find out what you want? Well, I've written some clues for you. A clue? Yes. You can guess it from those. Now, here's your first clue. Read it. First for Santa Claus, second for me. My eyes are blue, my initial is G. Bring me a present, large, not small, and I'll say Happy New Year in the summer. (laughs) What is this, truth or consequences? Well, George, you felt so bad about not guessing, Miss Hush. This will sort of give you another chance. Look, just tell me what you want for Christmas and stop making yourself a Ralph Edwards. Oh, oh, but this is much more fun. Oh, all right. If it means so much to you, I'll play your game. Good. Now, let's see. First for Santa Claus, second for me. Dancer is first, prancer is second. A prancer could be a horse. You want a horse for Christmas? (laughs) Oh, what would I do with a horse? Well, you're always banging up the fenders, and if you had a horse, you wouldn't have to drive the car. Oh, that's silly. A horse couldn't drive a car. (laughs) Skip it. So I missed the first guess. Yeah, that'll cost you 50 cents. 50 cents? Oh, I forgot to tell you. Every time you guess wrong, you drop 50 cents in this bowl for charity. What charity? Oh, a very worthy one, George. It's for a poor mother who's expecting. Oh, well, that sounds like a worthy cause. Okay, here's my 50 cents. Thank you, dear. Now, try again and guess what I want for Christmas. Let's see. Bring me a present, large, not small, and I'll say Happy New Year in the summer. Well, think, Judge. Mm. Concentrate. Say, I think the Chinese celebrate New Year in the summer. Now, let's see. Chinese. No, I don't want chop suey. (laughs) Gracie. That'll be another 50 cents. Honey. Honey's wrong, too. (laughs) Another 50 cents. Nuts. Wrong again. <laughs> it's a dollar and a half, you old the bowl. Oh, well, it's for charity. 
I'm glad I'm using this punch bowl. Looks like I'll fill it. The right you're going, you'll fill the rose bowl. <laughs> Come in. Oh, oh, oh hello, Meredith. Meredith. Say, Mayor, maybe you could help me. Gracie has written down on this piece of paper what she wants for Christmas. Really? As a boy, I used to write down what I wanted and mail it to Santa Claus at the North Pole. Of course, now I'm older and wiser. Oh, yes. of course. Now I just go to the nearest department store and hand it to him in person. <laughs> I'll be glad to hand him your letter, Gracie. Uh, that won't be necessary, Meredith. No. This is something Gracie wants me to give her. Oh, yes. Well, uh, would you be interested in hearing what my Uncle Tobias gives my Aunt Tilly for Christmas? Uh, no, Meredith. Well, I... sir, every year my Uncle Tobias gives my Aunt Tilly a lock of his hair. And she gives him a lock of her hair. They've done that now for 20 years. Oh, how sweet. This year he's giving her a wig and she's giving him a toupee. <laughs> Meredith, I'm not interested in your uncle. I'm trying to find out what Gracie wants for Christmas. And she's put it in the form of a riddle. Oh, I see. Read it to me, George. First for Santa Claus, second for me. My eyes are blue, my initial are G. Bring me a present, large, not small, and I'll say Happy New Year in the summer. Well, that's quite simple. You figured it out? Certainly. She wants Martha Graham for Christmas. Oh, that's what she pleasant melodies, Meredith, with a swing to the rhythm that sets your feet to beating. True, Toby. It's the rhythmic beat of a shottish, which is a slower Scotch version of the polka. The Scotch polka? That sounds good. Oh, it is good, Toby. Now, here's another famous and familiar shottish. Let's see if you recognize it. First, we'll start with just the mellow harmony. Now, we'll add a counter melody for richness. Sounds mighty smooth, Meredith, but I still can't guess the name of it. You'll be surprised, my boy. Listen while we add that vigorous, shottish rhythm. And now we'll combine the melody to complete this blend of a familiar shottish at its best. Well, of course, it's Paul Linke's beautiful glowworm. And friends, just as all our favorite melodies are created by expertly blending many orchestral parts, so too with the creation of America's favorite coffee, Maxwell House. The superb quality, the famous good-to-the-last-drop flavor of Maxwell House, demands that not just one, but many choice Latin American coffees be included in the final superb Maxwell House blend. With great care and skill, the Maxwell House experts test and select Manizales for mellowness. For richness, they add Medellins. For vigor, they choose other choice coffees. And for fine full body, they add Bucaramangas. 
rising up to flavor perfection of America's favorite coffee, Maxwell House. A blend so completely satisfying, it's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. So friends, enjoy the extra flavor of Maxwell House coffee yourself. You can for just a fraction of a penny more per cup than the cheapest coffee sold. Ask for Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. Stockings for Christmas? No. Drop another 50 cents in the bowl. Purse? No. Gloves? Suede gloves? Yeah. Brown suede gloves? Yeah. Hand stitched? Yes. No. <laughs> Gracie, I can't guess what you want for Christmas from the silly clue. All right, I'll give you the next clue. Good, let's hear it. Roses are red, water is wet, Truman is president, how have you been? <laughs> That's the clue. Yes. Let's go back to the first one. No, George, work on it. I'll leave you alone so you can concentrate. Concentrate my foot. Take this clue next door to Dr. Miller. Only a psychiatrist can figure this out. Oh, hello, George. Doc, I want to read you something. Very well. Roses are red, water is wet, Truman is president, and how have you been? <laughs> what does that mean to you? It means you came to me just in time. You're cracking up. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't write it. Gracie wrote it. Oh. It's supposed to tell me what Gracie wants for Christmas. Does it tell you anything? Definitely. Tells me Gracie needs something for the house. What? Padded walls. <laughs> I, I hope that you could look at this clue and tell me what she wanted. Well, I could, George, if I understood how her mind worked. But to determine that, I'd have to psychoanalyze her. Okay, Doc. I've got to find out what this clue means. Every time I guess wrong, it costs me 50 cents. So I'll probably save money even with your fee. Why, I wouldn't accept a fee to psychoanalyze Gracie. Why not? For a psychiatrist to get into her mind be like a burglar getting into Fort Knox. <laughs> I see what you mean. I'll send her right over. Now then, Mrs. Burns, just lie down on this couch here and relax completely. Thank you, Doctor. First, just a few general questions. How old are you? I'd rather not say. <laughs> Mrs. Burns, I'm a doctor. You can tell me anything. Now, how old are you? Nineteen. Nineteen? You said I could tell you anything. I mean, if you tell me your age, I won't let it go any further. Oh. Now, how old are you? Nineteen. Still nineteen. I'm not letting it go any further either. <laughs> Mrs. Burns, how long have you been married? Fifteen years. Then if you're 19 years old, you were married when you were four. Oh, doctor, you've got me trapped. <laughs> I see I'll have to tell the truth. Good. Now, how old are you? 20. 
Let's skip your age and go on to the next question. Do you have any disturbing dreams, especially dreams that recur again and again? Oh, yes, yes. Every night for a long time, I dreamed that the Iceman came and put two 50-pound cakes of ice in the middle of my back. Very interesting. I must attempt a solution. Oh, I solved it. How? Well, I made George sleep with his socks on. (laughs) Yes, I see. Well, now, Mrs. Burns, I'd like to give you a simple little test which will enable me to analyze your thought process. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, this is called a word association test. Oh, and how does it work? I will say a word, and that word will suggest something to you. Whatever it is, you say it. I say whatever I think of. Right. Left. (laughs) I hadn't started yet. Now, here we go. Picture. Frame. Powder. Puff. Telephone. Thank you. Hello? What does the telephone suggest? Nothing. Nobody's on the wire. (laughs) Mrs. Burns, the telephone did not ring. When I said telephone, you should have said something like Alexander Graham Bell. I see. Let's proceed. Army. Navy. Soldiers. Sailors. Wax. Bibba McGee and Molly. (laughs) Wax made you think of Bibba McGee and Molly. They sell it. I was referring to W-A-C-S. So was I, Johnson's. <laughs> Let's proceed. Bing Crosby. Singing. Spencer Tracy. Acting. Charles Boyer. Charles Boyer. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't trick me into that one. I see you taking notes. So? So my husband can read. <laughs> Let's proceed. Hello? Oh, yes, Grace is right here. Telephone. Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> that was your husband. No, I'm married to George Burns. <laughs> That'll be enough for the word association test. (laughs) Now, suppose we delve into your childhood memories. Your family life. Was it happy and normal? Oh, yes. Every morning, bright and early, the sun would come streaming through the kitchen windows and wake us up. We'd we'd jump out of bed. Wait a minute, Gracie. Your family slept in the kitchen? Well, certainly. Where did you expect them to sleep? In the bedroom. Stupid of me, wasn't it? in the bedroom. That's where we did our cooking. You cooked in the bedroom. Why? Because it was upstairs. Why did you cook upstairs? To keep the smell of food away from the kitchen where we slept. That'll be enough of your normal childhood memory. (laughs) Now let us try the mental coordination test. See if you can place these square pegs and round pegs in their proper holes. Completed the psychoanalysis of your wife. Swell, Dad. Oh, yeah. First, I gave her the Binet Simon intelligence quotient test. 
Then I traced her mental processes with the word association test. Then I gave her the Bechteret Mendel reflex test, the Rorschach inkblot test, applied the factors of heredity and environment, and I knew her mind like a book. Wonderful. I then applied this knowledge to the clue she'd given you, and I was able to make a guess as to what she wanted for Christmas. Well? Where do I drop my 50 cents? <laughs> Here's Meredith Wilson and the orchestra and the great old tune, True. that you want from these clues. What have I given you for other Christmases? Well, uh, the first year we were married, you gave me a string with one pearl on it. You said that every year you'd add to it. And I have, too. Say, maybe that's it. You want me to add to it again? Oh, no, you better not. The string is so long now, I keep stepping on the pearl. (laughs) Well, that was no help. Now, I better give... I better give you another clue. Yes, a clue and some aspirin. I won't be a minute, Bill. Okay, dear. Please, please. Come in. Hi, George. Say, did you get Gracie's present? No, Bill, I can't find out what she wants. If you were Gracie, what would you like for Christmas? Oh, not a thing, George. Gee, I'd feel that I'd received life's supreme gift when I got wonderful, handsome, talented, generous you. <laughs> Bill, you haven't said anything that nice to me for a long time. No, not since last Christmas. <laughs> oh, I get it, Bill. You don't have to hand for me. Don't we always exchange presents? Well, I always exchange yours. <laughs> you, uh, you don't like the cigars I've been sending you? Is that what they were? <laughs> That's what they were. Every Christmas, I give you and Meredith each a box of those cigars. Two for quarter. Oh, they're robbing you, George. You shouldn't pay more than ten cents a box. <laughs> you try it again next week. <laughs> George, 
Here comes that big oil millionaire from Texas. Oh, yeah, Mr. Judson. Yeah, yeah. Come in. Howdy, Burns. Oh, hello, Mr. Judson. You know Bill Goodwin. Oh, sure. You bet I do. Say, Bill, I heard you talk about that Maxwell House coffee, so I got me some. Really? Well, isn't it, uh, isn't it wonderfully satisfying? Yes, sir. Rich and mellow. Oh, good to the last drop. The most delicious coffee I ever tasted. You bet. Uh, what part of Texas they grow it in? <laughs> Mr. Jetson, the superb coffees that go into Maxwell House are grown down near the equator. Oh, southern Texas, huh? <laughs> Got down around Galveston. Uh, Mr. Judson... Well, now, it's the best darn coffee in the whole world, and that cup I had this morning sure was worth the $1,000 I gave for it. Wait a minute. You gave $1,000 for it? Why, Mr. Judson, Maxwell House costs but a fraction of a penny more per cup than the cheapest coffee you can buy. Oh, I know that, but I had to leave the girl a tip. <laughs> Kids got to make a living. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Bill, uh-huh. uh, tell me some more about that fine Galveston coffee. Uh, is it popular? Well, I'll tell you, Mr. Judson, with more than a thousand brands to choose from, more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. But it's not grown in Galveston. It ain't? No, sir. It comes from places like Colombia, Brazil, Guatemala, Mexico, Salvador, Venezuela. Oh, the suburbs of Galveston. <laughs> you might as well give up, Bill. To this guy, anything that's the best comes from Texas. The best coffee, the best-looking men, the best actors, the best lovers. Really? Well, and that's our case, I reckon I'll be moseying. Uh, so long, partner. <laughs> so long, Tex. Mr. Judson, maybe you can help me. I can't find out what my wife wants for Christmas. Well, now, I'm having the same trouble. I know my wife wants a string of beads, but I don't know what kind. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to get a four-string. Rubies, emeralds, sapphires, and diamonds, and she can throw away the three she don't want. (laughs) Well, uh, you can afford that. You've got $26 million. No, no, that's $27 million. Yep, yep. You see, we had a little hard luck down home. Grandpa was out in the yard, rocking in his rocking chair. You reared back a mite too far. The rocker dug in the ground, and up come another darned oil well. <laughs> you call that hard luck? Well, Grandpa never get that stuff out of his beard. <laughs> Tough break for Grandpa, wasn't it? George! Uh, George, I've got another clue. Oh, hello, Mr. Judson. Howdy, little lady. See, your husband tells me he's having trouble guessing what you want for Christmas. Yes, he is. He even guessed that I wanted a horse. Well, now, that wouldn't be bad. You could bring him down to Texas and ride him on my range. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. If the gas was on, he'd burn his feet. (laughs) If the... Does this one give me a real hint? Well, read it and see. Use your brain. Don't be a goat. Why not ask me if I'd like a mink coat? 
that's it. You want a mink coat for Christmas? Can I have one? No. That isn't it, then. <laughs> Drop another 50 cents in the bowl. Now, wait a minute. That's a cheat. This clue can't mean anything but a mink coat. Yes, it can. Now, here, I'll help you. Now, look at the second line. Don't be a goat. Now, what do goats give? Milk. And, uh, what do they make out of goat's milk? Cheese. Well... You want goat cheese for Christmas? <laughs> Drop another 50 cents in the bowl. Gracie. Now, that's a dollar you owe the punch bowl, Joe. Oh, all right. Uh, what charity did you say this was for? Uh, poor mother's expect. Oh, a mother's expect. Okay. Now, don't give up. Let's take the first line of the clue. Use your brain. Where is my brain? That's tougher than what do you want for Christmas. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Where is my brain? In your head. And what do I wear on my head? A hat. Oh, that's it. Of course you want a hat. Drop, Drop another, another 50 cents in the floor. <laughs> Thank you. Now, let's take the third line of the clue. Wait a minute. You going to help me again? Yes. <laughs> it's easier that way. Oh, you're getting discouraged. I'm getting discouraged, yes. Well... Let me see how much money is in the bowl. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. Twenty-eight dollars. Never mind, dear. You needn't make any more guesses. Well, hallelujah. Now tell me, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. You don't know? No. Just get me anything at all. Then why did we go through this guessing routine? Well, so I could get this twenty-eight dollars to send to my mother. It's your mother who's expecting? Yes, yeah, she's expecting to visit this... A year in her plane. Her a plane? She's got to in her plane fare. <laughs> George and Gracie will return in just a moment. Join us again Thursday when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Bill Goodwin, Meredith Wilson, and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Toby Reed. And now, here are our stars. Uh, well, Gracie... How would you like a silver comb and brush set for Christmas? Drop 50 cents in the bowl. You're going back to that again? Well, yes, I called Mama and she wants to bring my brother Willie along, too. Good night. <laughs> hey, where do you live, Lucille? I live down in Mobile. And what do you eat, Lucille? Eat? I eat Jello. Jello in those six delicious flavors: strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Flavors locked in by a process exclusive with Jello, just as the name Jello is exclusive. Yes, that name's a trademark, the property of General Foods, and it tells you you're getting the genuine, the one and only Jello gelatin dessert. Jello, 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 Jello. J-E-L-L-O. Until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's number one preferred brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. The George Burns and Gracie Allen Show is written by Paul Henning and Keith Fowler. And now stay tuned in for Noah Webster Says, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed our first Christmas show and had some laughs with George and Gracie. Thank you again for joining me today, and I hope this ends your week in the right way. Well, this is only the beginning because next week we have some more Christmas shows for you and some more Christmas radio shows. So don't miss one because next Friday we're going to have another great show for you. And next week you will not want to miss the show because we're going to have some very funny things that we're going to look at that happen to other people during the Christmas season. So yes, come and laugh at other people people's expense. (laughs) Well, thank you again, everyone, and have a great weekend and coming week and keep listening on your favorite podcast station. And until next week, this is Jay Lewis off the air.